All right, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we are thankful for your goodness and your greatness, Lord, for your love towards us, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the salvation, Lord, that he brings to us. We are thankful to thee, Lord, for those things. Thank you, thank you, Father, that you saw fit, Lord, to open our ears and our hearts, remove the hardness of our hearts, Father, and allow us to uh, hear and understand the gospel and, uh, Lord, uh, apply it to our lives. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that uh, through uh, faith, Lord, uh, that uh, you give us, Father, that we are uh, able to uh, cry out to you, Lord, and pray to you. We thank you. We praise you for it. We ask, Father, that you would equip us, Lord, through this uh, class uh, that we have these six weeks, Father, to be able to uh, share uh, that same good news, that same good thing, Father, that you did uh, in us, that work that you did in us, Father, share it with others and see others uh, um, come to you, Lord, as a result of that. And we just pray that you would help us now and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, um, I don't know if we passed these out, if we had these. Are these from us? Oh, they are. Well, I, you don't have to get them. I was just wondering. I, I found this one at home, and it's it's more on a I think uh, on a kids level because there's kids in it. It's the same message. It's pretty good. So, uh, if anybody wants to get these, does anyone need a a bridge track this morning? Everybody has one. <laughs> All right. Well. Our our goal is. Uh, to come to class, and all of us need one. That's our goal, uh, to be able to uh, not just pass these out, but be able to uh, share the message uh, that's in them in a clear and concise manner and uh, share it with those that need to hear the gospel. Uh, Jared, while you're up, sir, could I get you to pass these out, please? Thank you. So, um, as we all know, who can share what the goal of the class is this morning? Anybody want to? Or go ahead. That's it. The goal of the class is to. Uh, for us to know how to faithfully uh, share the gospel in a clear and concise manner. Uh, The presentation that we are using is the Bridge to Eternal Life uh, tract. It is definitely not the only presentation of the gospel. However, um, uh, we do feel it's one of the uh, simplest and most biblically faithful presentations uh, we've seen. Uh, Ordinarily, I put in a lot of work on on these uh, through the week, and uh, this week wasn't uh, that much different, but I had some uh, uh, disruptions, disturbances. I had to go to the doctor and get some tests done and stuff, so I didn't put as much in, and and I think that's going to be a good thing because um, I think we need a little more time in the sharing part of the gospel at the end. I think that's going to be more helpful than uh, me just sitting up here and and saying these things up here. Um, In the first week, uh, we looked at uh, 
uh, the gospel uh, track, uh, which was, uh, and we looked at the very first thing, which was God's purpose. If you have your track, you can look at it. And uh, God's uh, purpose, we were uh, created to honor, serve, and fellowship with Him. Uh, We were created to uh, rule this earth under His authority and with His strength. And uh, uh, the the Bible says, uh, "You are worthy, O Lord, to receive." Uh, now I had it memorized. You are, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive uh, glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. I think uh, starting to read it here in a different version kind of throws me off sometimes. <laughs> But um, God is uh, um, worthy to receive um, glory and honor and power. The things that we do uh, should be done to serve Him uh, because He is our our loving Creator. Uh, And uh, the Bible says uh, in our our gospel tract, whether then you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all uh, to the glory of God. Everything that we do should be done for his glory, and we know that uh, based on the next verse in there, you will make known to me the path of life, that God doesn't leave us clueless as to how to do that. He's given us his word, uh, and we can be directed by God's word, and that's how we're to live our lives is according to his word and what his, what his word says. His word has all the authority. Uh, sometimes we like to think that we have the authority, that we, that we know uh, the right way, but um, our way uh, is is not uh, always the right way. We may know it, but God has the authority. Uh, it is it is His authority that we should follow. Um, in week two, we saw uh, how Scripture is clear on the next page uh, that we all have rejected God, uh, this loving ruler and creator. Uh, we have decided to live how we want to live, doing what we want to do, uh, we're not always concerned uh, about what God wants. Uh, we most often don't even think about what God wants uh, for us. Um, we we uh, have um, rebelled against God. Um, he he made the worlds, uh, fashion it, fashion it like a uh, potter fashions clay, and uh, he made us as rulers of the world under him. He created man in his image to enjoy his creation, care for it and supervise it under his good authority. However, uh, we did uh, uh, rebel against him, and uh, we have decided to live how we want to live and not how he wants. We think we can determine what is right and wrong. Uh, We who were to rule the world in obedience to God have rebelled against him, and so in doing it, we have failed to do anything right, really, uh, uh, according to what God wants. we have uh, uh, sinned against them in that way. And last week, week we looked at Scripture to understand that's on the, on the third page of the Gospel tract that uh, sin's penalty, which uh, rebellion against God is sin. And we, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, all the things that sin is. It's, it's doing what uh, God has commanded us not to do. It's, doing what, uh, it's not doing what God has commanded us to do. And uh, it's uh, just outright rebellion against God um, doing what we want to do. And so um, 
there's a penalty uh, to sin, which is death. God's, God's set the penalty of sin as death, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord, uh, when we uh, chose to uh, disobey God, the result was death, the basic meaning of death. We, we found out last week uh, there are three of them. One is uh, spiritual death, which is uh, uh, separates a person from the life of God uh, as, as he's living. Uh, the next is uh, physical death, which separates a person's soul from his body or from his or her body. And uh, the final one there is eternal death, which separates both soul and body from God forever in hell. So we learned that uh, man's problem was sin. Uh, sin's penalty is death. And uh, uh, that, uh, that death it results in, in, uh, in hell. You know, as uh, I was reading through, what's the name of that book, Mark? Evangelism? Explosion, yeah, as, as I was reading through that. Um, it, it says in there that, uh, you know, to mention hell when we give the gospel, and I, I think that's a good thing to talk about hell. Um, I went uh, online, and not online, I have a, uh, uh, a Bible program, and in that Bible program, there's some stuff from Flavius Josephus in there. And if you want to get scared, read what he says about hell. That's, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know how much of it is true. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't think find it all in the Bible, but um, he says some things about hell that, I mean, just makes you think about hell and what it is. Uh, he talks about uh, angels driving people continually down until they, uh, come to a, 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 a juncture and the righteous are sent to the right hand and the unrighteous are sent to the left hand, but they're not sent willingly. They're sent dragged off. Uh, and uh, it's just, a, it's, he just gives you a mental picture of it that uh, makes you not want to go there. That's for sure. I can tell you that. So, yeah, we need to, as we're sharing the gospel, uh, certainly talk about hell. And uh, in our track, we see that we have eternal death, which is separation from God. And I always, I always tell the people that I witness to that, you know, people talk about hell um, as a place where they're, yeah, we're going to go down there and party with all our friends. And uh, no, uh, I tell them you are going to be uh, too busy uh, with other things. Uh, I tell them, you know, try this out. Take a lighter out and. Light it under your hand and hold it there and just see how long you want to party while you're doing that. Yes, sir.
Well, you know, uh, Josephus brings out that very fact that uh, that's part of the punishment of being there and seeing the other side and uh, what was missed. So, uh, certainly. Um, so, any, that brings us uh, to uh, this week. Uh, then how can we ever have uh, eternal life? That's our uh, our uh, lesson today. Um this week we'll look at uh, some of the ways uh, that we have attempted first uh, to uh, to reach God. And we have three objectives uh, with today's uh, lesson. One is to address the way man tries to gain eternal life for himself. Two is uh, to agree that one can think uh, they are right and yet still be wrong. And the third is uh, to answer that the Bible provides the answer. Uh, Number one, throughout history, uh, people have tried many ways to gain or earn eternal life. Uh, That's our first verse here. It says, There is a way which seemeth right to to a man, but its end is the way of death. Does anyone need a... Do you have your tracks back there? Good. Yes, I do. So there is a way which seems right unto a, to a man, uh, but its end uh, is the way of death. In other words, uh, the path that that leads to is only death. Uh, trying to please God by what by doing what we think is right uh, pleases only us. We're the only one that gets pleased by this, by that, and not God. If we read Proverbs chapter 30, verse 12, it says, "There is a generation." that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. So, I mean, we can think what we want. Um, I I know that uh, when the gospel was shared with me, it was pointed out that if someone tells me the light is on in this room and I'm not looking at it, um, and I'm outside thinking, well, the light's not on, it, it doesn't mean that the light is not on. The light is still on in this room, no matter what I think is going on in this room. So it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God says. Um, The right and the good thing to do, uh, instead of uh, looking at it from our own perspective, um, is to do uh, and follow God's Word. That's what the Bible says. In fact, uh, James Chapter 1, verse 22 says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We need to do what the Bible says for us to do. That's the, that's the authority. Um, not to do the right and good thing, which is to follow God's word, brings us full circle. Uh, that's sin. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So that's sin again. Uh, sin is not forgiven us by righteous acts or thoughts. Titus 3 uh, verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. I often think of, um, I don't know so much in this country, 
but certainly in other countries where uh, people will actually be crucified on a cross. I mean, they will have nails driven in their hands and stuff like that. And I, I remember reading an article where a guy did it like three or four times already. And that's not going to gain us an entrance into heaven. That's a that's a work that we're doing trying trying to get there. I uh, I uh, talked with a fellow once that had some terrible disease, and he he said, "Well, I was cured. God cured me." He said, "And the way God cured me is, I I told God that I was going to crawl on my hands and knees, and it was a long distance. What I can't remember what it was, but it was a long." arduous crawl that this guy had made to some altar. And he said, well, because of that, God healed him. But, you know, um, it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, uh, but by mercy, uh, by His mercy, uh, He saves us. Um, So, we can uh, not procure forgiveness based on anything we do or, or think, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and uh, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. God doesn't want us to be able to even boast about it. Even our faith that we have uh, comes from God. It is the gift of God. Um, he's the one that moves in our lives uh, to uh, be able to call on Him. So, we would have to be perfect uh, to meet uh, up to God's expectation, and no one is. Uh, trying to please God by doing uh, what one thinks will please Him is what we call salvation by works. People are trying to work for their salvation, and it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, this approach is a religion of do what I have done on this earth and be considered worthy of heaven. I being the operative word pastor talked about this uh, with us in the the uh, Explaining Christianity class that we had. But let's review. The thought is that in some way God will honor my good works and deeds or at the very least He'll recognize and give me credit for the bad things that I, that I um, have, could have done uh, but didn't do. For example, you might rationalize, um, I don't lie. Well, at least not about the most important matters. Um, you know, it may just be a little white lie. We we call them a little white lie. A lie is a lie, though. Uh, you might say, I don't steal. Well, I, I did claim more than I should on my last travel voucher at work. You might say, I don't sleep with my girlfriend or boyfriend, uh, although we do pretty much everything else. Basically, the idea here is I'm not as bad as the next guy. Um when we have that line of thinking, uh, we're trying to use someone else to measure ourselves against. And the only one that we can use is Jesus Christ. To use anyone else as a, as a measure of how we should live or what we should do, is it's wrong. It's, it's the wrong measuring stick. It's the wrong thing to use. We, we need to measure um, ourselves against Christ. And when we do that, we see how, how short we fall. Uh, to uh, meeting that perfection. So uh, 
we get the point. Everything mentioned has to do with my own merit, my so-called good deeds, uh, what I have done. Uh, uh, we can all be good lawyers at convincing ourselves that what we've done or avoided is good enough to get us into heaven. So that the number one defense is uh, before God is our own good deeds. We stand there and say, well, I've done this. Um, I, I often tell my kids uh, and the people that I witness to that people sometimes think that sin is like a like uh, justice, the scales of justice, you know. I sin, I sin, I sin, I sin, and the, t- the scale tips this way. And then you go, well, I did good, I did good, and I did good, and I did good. And somehow that balances out the, the, the bad that I've done. It doesn't work that way at all. Sin is sin, and, and God must punish sin. And uh, so it, it's not a scales. It's not, it's not something that you, we can say that, you know, uh, well, um, you know, I've, I've gone to church for, let's see, six weeks in a row, and now I can miss a week, and, and it won't, you know, that's okay. Or uh, in in some sinning, say, well, I've I've done this good, I've done I've done this, you know, this good. I I can give in now and do this a little bad, and it'll be okay. You know, we can do it the opposite way on the scale, and sometimes we do, but uh, uh, that's not the truth. Sin is sin, and sin has a penalty, and that penalty is death. And uh, we can do nothing on our own merits to pay for that penalty. Um, the second response would be um, pleading the merit of another rather than pleading my own merit, namely pleading the merit of the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. Real Christianity is not a religion of do like Islam or Judaism, but instead Christianity is a religion of done. It's done. The operative word is not I, but Christ. It's not what I've done, or not not done, nor what I will do, but what Christ did. That's past tense. What Christ did. Um, and what did Christ do? Uh, we think of our past three studies and the stool illustration. Remember when the pastor drew the three-legged stool up on a, on a bulletin board? One, Jesus descended to the earth as God's divine Son who lived a perfect life in our place. And then number two, Jesus died on a cross in our place as a substitute bearing God's wrath to bring reconciliation between a holy God and sinful men. And three, He rose from the dead as our living Lord and Savior, thereby glorifying Himself and giving us hope in the present and future. Uh, On what basis will God accept you in heaven? The wrong answer is what I did. Uh, first, let's go over the wrong answer. The wrong answer is to plead my case before God based on my own merit or good deeds, what I've done or not done. This appeal emphasizes my own righteousness by calling attention to the good things I've done and the bad things I've avoided. However, there is nothing I can do to make myself right before God. Not one good work or all of my good work combined over a lifetime can atone for my sin and qualify me for heaven. Why? Because God's standard is 100% perfection. We've already stated that. 
And uh, some may not believe that. They may be thinking, no way. Is that really what the Bible says? It can't be that demanding. After all, nobody's perfect. Well, let's listen to what uh, Jesus' brother James wrote again here. He says in James uh, chapter 2, verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So, uh, but that's uh, not just James. The Apostle Paul says the same thing. If we were to look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And it's not just Paul, because Paul there is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. He's quoting Moses, who says, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. Paul's conclusion is straightforward. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law. There is no room for error. And by that standard, we, are, we all fail miserably. No one's deeds can save them, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Remember our, our uh, book or records of sin? pastor talks about that book. Uh, however large or small separates us eternally from our holy and just God. Uh, now let me be clear. I'm not saying that some people aren't morally better than others, relatively speaking. For example, you may not be as bad as Hitler. Uh, but while nearly everyone would agree that Hitler has earned a spot in hell, the Bible says that you have earned a spot in hell. And um, Pastor uses a, a, a very good example here. And, and again, to, to, to think in this line of thinking that, you know, while I'm not as bad as Hitler, um, Pastor uses a, uh, a fellow called uh, Carl Lewis. Anybody know who he is? Anybody? I didn't either. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Usain Bolt. Anybody know him? Obviously, he's a high jumper or a long jumper or something because he makes the analogy that uh, this guy who is a jumper or a, a long jumper or whatever, uh, if we were to have a contest with him to try and jump over the Grand Canyon, uh, certainly he would make it a lot farther to the other side than we would. He wouldn't make it to the other side. Uh, we would fall short of him. So the point is, though, both are going to fall. Uh, so we can't, we can't use that, uh, that analogy that, well, I'm not as bad as somebody else. And um, I think perhaps that was my idea when John Dunn witnessed to me that I'm not as bad as, you know, some other people are. And also that if God let, I mean, my thought was if God let anyone into heaven, why wouldn't he let me? Uh, if he let everyone else into heaven or anyone else in heaven, why wouldn't, me, why wouldn't he let me? That was my thought. And, uh, of course, I, I know the answer to that is because sin cannot go unpunished, cannot be uh, wiped out. Uh, by anything that I do or don't do or try to do. Um, 
And we need to understand that this failure to meet God's standard becomes clear when we recognize that sin is not just a matter of doing or saying or even thinking wrong things. No, it is much more fundamental than that. Sin is naturally in our hearts. Uh, The Bible says that sin is bound up in the heart of a child. All the evil things we do uh, come from within us. Sin is not fundamentally a matter of what we've done, but rather who we are. That's what it is. Listen to the way James explains this. Uh, You can turn to your Bible to uh, Mark chapter 7, verse uh, 20. Mark chapter 7, starting with verse 20 to verse 23. Mark chapter 7, verse 20 says, He went on, um, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within... Out of men's heart, hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Um, I always remember Flip Wilson. That devil made me do it. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, we do get tempted by the devil at times, but uh, he knows what's inside of us. And so uh, those things that we do come from within us. It's hard sometimes to um, know some of the things that people do. I mean, everybody hears the news um, of those things. And uh, some of them are... I mean, they're just terrible. They're hard to think about. But that kind of stuff that we read, uh, we need not ask, well, how could somebody do that? Because that that's what's in us. I, I, I remember, and I, I, I've shared this before, I think, but um, I think it was Dick Cavett who was interviewing... Um, well... I think he was interviewing someone who was an eyewitness to some of the uh, Nuremberg uh, things that that happened uh, in Nazi Germany. And the guy was a witness to, I think, Adolf Eichmann or someone like that. I I, I can't remember the whole thing. But Dick Cavett, what I remember about it is Dick Cavett, was talking to the man, and what struck me about it, he says, Dick said, uh, I saw on the transcript that when they brought this fellow out that you had eyewitnessed and that you hadn't seen for X number of years in your life, that when you laid eyes on him, you fainted. He said, was that because you remembered all the bad things that he did and all the terrible things that he did? And the grief was just too much for you to handle? Or he said, what happened there? What caused you to faint? And the fellow was very insightful about it. He said, no, it wasn't that. He said, they brought him in, and he was a frail, tottering old man, just like I was. And he said, I had a picture of him as, in my mind before that, as a monster. But when they brought him in, 
He said, I saw that he was just like I was. And that, he said, it was at that point that I realized what he did, I could have done. And so, I mean, that's always stuck with me, that that interview. And uh, that that certainly can answer the question, well, how can they do that? How can they do that? Well, they can do that because those things come from inside of us. Well, we're going to wrap this up here. We're going to, um, first of all, ask if there's any questions. Um, I know, uh, Reddy, you brought a question about how to help evangelize some of your family that are Catholic. Um, if anyone else has any questions, if anyone else has any comments on how to help any situation like that, um, now is the time to take a few minutes and, and let's do that this quickly. So if anyone has any questions, any comments, yes. That brings us back to our study that the authority on those things is God's Word. That's where the authority for those things come from, and you're correct. They can't answer uh, with authority from God's Word why they believe or what they believe uh, because it's just not there. Yes? Yes? Right. And I, I think, too, though, that brings us back to our study again that uh, in order to answer their questions, we need to have some memorization. Uh, I, I find that my, my failure 
that I have in giving the gospel is often I know the verse. I know I know the I know what it says, but I don't often know where to find it. And so it's that memorization that we need to have um, that um, is makes us coherent when we when we present the gospel with God's word, and to be able to answer uh, the questions that they may have um, as to how they believe, and to be able to answer them as to what the Bible says, uh, which is going to make all the difference that there is. Yes, sir. Right. Right. I generally have been very careful not to ask people if they believe the Bible because it does raise that question of then then what do you do? I I am more apt to use the Bible um, as the authority, period. They can accept it or reject it based on that. But I, I think to ask them if they believe the Bible or believe in the Bible, it opens a, a, a whole new aspect to... Um, trying to convince them <laughs> somehow that the Bible is authoritative. And yes. Right. That's right. Yes. I found in this process I've been going through with my daughter and her family that I think about other Catholics that I have tried to witness to. I have a lot of Catholics in my Nebraska family because they're married to Polish people and the biggest share of them are Catholics. But I, uh, I've kind of tried to write a bunch of stuff down, and the thing that I'm noticing the most about the Catholic people in general that I've been trying to speak to, they don't read their Bible. A guy at work told me their priest discourages them mm-hmm. from reading the Bible. Yeah. I was so flabbergasted when he said that. They've done that for years and years and years. Yeah, my Because she was, she was faithful. She went to mass every morning. She, she read some little book that they gave her, a missal or something they call it. And but she never opened the Bible. And when I became a saved person, I still got to see her once a year. And I would take my Bible and I, I would say, Aunt Lola, show me where what you believe in here. And she goes, she said, just a minute. She went and got that little book. Right. And it, it was, I was just. Lord, but then to hear a young man, 32 years old, in my work tell me, and he has met the Pope. He's had a picture taken with the Pope, and yet he's he's discouraged from reading the Bible. I just find that baffling. You know, it's kind of like it's more the old generation that is like that because in the past 10, 15 years, it's caused 
church is what makes the difference. Mm -hmm. Because I have heard of Bible studies. At, in fact, there's another guy at work that does go to a Bible study once a week with the men in his church, and he's a pastor. Yeah, there is a Greek church ministry in the bars they call Theology on Tap. Oh, I, I read something about that. What I, what I do most often, uh, especially with someone like Jehovah's Witness, is that I, I kind of do that same thing that you're talking about, Retta. Um, Colossians 1.9, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I, I try to make them to deal with that first before we ever move on to anything else. If you can't deal with that first, we cannot move on to anything else. And so, um, I, that may be a good thing to I do. I just want to tell you that this class has really helped me. Well, it's thank God for that. The confidence to do it the way it's supposed to be done and not try to drill a nail. <laughs> Are there any more quick questions or comments? we got to go here. So, next week uh, we'll look at page 5. Christ's payment, our sinless substitute. In preparation, please uh, memorize pages 1 through 5. Try to memorize those verses. Uh, they're very important. And uh, pray that God will open doors uh, for us to witness. God will open those doors uh, when we pray for Him. Uh, so uh, let's close in prayer. Uh, Jared, would you find today? Thank you.